Okay, welcome to A Players, a podcast about how startups skill, where we interview founders, venture builders, growth managers, and everybody that is involved in scaling in the scaling of a startup. I'm Isabel Strijland, and I'll be your host today. The show is powered by Accelerate, a recruitment agency matching exceptional talent with the best startups worldwide. Our today's guest is Tom Kirschbaum, CEO and co-founder of Door to Door. He built his company from scratch with the mission to create cities for people and not for cars. Together with his co-founder Maxime, he managed to combine the world of innovative startup with the process-driven public sector. So let's talk about hiring. Um, can you explain me um, how you started out with Door to Door in the beginning? Of course, I would love to let me start by saying it's a pleasure being yes. in the show. Uh, we started. We started actually uh, already some eight years ago when Maxime and myself observed a couple of developments, mainly that new players entered the scene uh, in terms of uh, mobility. So we watched the Uber evolve. We watched car sharing companies like DriveNow and Cartago evolve, and uh, obviously everybody was talking about apps and uh, what you can do with your smartphone. So we figured out. There is a niche in the market to, to implement uh, something new, uh, which, which is very much based on uh, obviously an app, but also to give access to all these new forms of mobility. And soon after that, we found out um, it's, it's great with all these new forms of mobility, but uh, you, you probably need something that in this niche between the traditional public transit and your own car or taxi kind of service, um, that, that fits uh, the needs of the people as much as the needs of the cities. And uh, ever since we had that observation, and as it is always, there has not been this one uh, moment when you stand on the shower and you, <laughs> you just know it. It has been uh, several of those moments, and some of those moments last long. Um, ever since, though, we, we started looking at the industry, we went through various iterations mm-hmm. or were also pivots uh, until we reached where we are today, which is uh, selling a platform to cities, software to cities and transport companies to go into exactly that niche mm-hmm. between the car and traditional public transport. Okay, interesting. Uh, nice to hear this um, uh, history in a nutshell. Um, can you also go back to that, that first um, moment when you started to build out your company and like um, uh, you started with the two of you? Um, when did you decide to decided to hire somebody um, next to yourself and Maxime? So Maxime and myself, we decided to found a tech company uh, with having no clue uh, of tech. <laughs> so we both are not engineers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maxime has a background in business. I have a background in banking and law. So we were driven by our idea and we are entrepreneurial uh, kind of guys, but we had no idea how to do a single line of code or to do great product management or everything you need to build a tech company. Which brought some, uh, uh, we were naive, let's put it like this, <laughs> which is a good thing as a founder because if you know everything that might come, probably you won't do it. So we were very naive also in terms of developing technology and that meant that in the very beginning we need to find someone who can cover for that, right? Because, well, we knew what we wanted to build but we didn't have a clue how to do it. So we needed to find the first guys and then you look at your network and you know someone who knows it better than you. Yeah. does not mean that this is the ideal CTO, but I think one of the things that I really learned as a founder is uh, since you explore something new, you will never be the one who knows it all. 
you have to be very humble on. You get very humble at least yeah. over the course of time. You start very confident and you need to be confident as a founder. And the longer you do it, the more humble you get. And that also um, affects how you hire and who you hire. So we hire the first CTO part-time. In fact, we need someone just for the slide deck, you know, where we, where we look for the first money. Yeah. Uh, so it was like a, a placeholder. <laughs> nothing really uh, active contribution but from there we, we just took it step by step and with that very first guy we learned a bit and then you find someone new and you find someone new and I think some of the things that we always look for was some certain kind of personality and, and character because we are driven by certain values and we are close friends so we wanted to have an environment in which we surround ourselves with a certain group mm -hmm. of people still stands very much by the way and in this regard, we really developed ourselves in terms of how we hire and who we hire and what to look for. But it has always been and ever since is some question of the personality. But I think the first guy that we hired was, hired was this placeholder CTO. Yeah. And then one other nice anecdote is the second guy that we hired was also an engineer. His name is Yoni and he is still with us. So the very first engineer we ever hired in this company uh, is still a member of the team now in a much more senior position, obviously, but it's uh, nice to see that one of the fines um, pays out for such a long time. Yeah, that is, um, uh, that's really impressive that you can keep somebody so close to the company so long as well. Indeed. Um, and, and you mentioned already a few things on how you um, identify talent uh, yourself, so you look at personality. Uh, is there anything more that you, um, from your experience, can share um, what you see in great talent and also talent that really is passionate and stays with the company over a longer time? Are there traits or characteristics that, uh, that you're looking for in uh, this first talk you have with them? I think one, one of the things we learned is working in a startup is great, right? first of all, because it's, um, it has normally, it brings impact with you, you have a very flexible environment, you are surrounded by colleagues who share some vision. So many things come with working in a startup that are an advantage when you hire. However, the longer you do it, particularly from a founder's perspective, uh, you also see that it's very hard to work in a startup. It's very challenging. Uh, you have to be very flexible every day, all day. You have to adapt very fast, particularly in our industry. I mentioned it, we did many pivots. So you have to go in the game again and again and again and motivate yourself. And uh, you know that there are other places where you earn more money. And um, then you have the friends who tell you other stuff where it's great to work. So um, it's really a... It's a, it's a balance. Working in a startup is great, but at the same time, very challenging. And since we realized that over the course of the years, we very much tested candidates also whether they're willing to go this extra mile, whether they bring the persistence that you particularly need when you sell to public institutions like we do. We have very long sales cycles. Our partners are very sustainable, also rather slow in their decision making. So you have to be just in it for a marathon. It's not a sprint. And people are rather up for the sprint, for the quick success, you know, for the fast win, this is great. You know, every day win, this is great. But if you close one deal once a quarter, well, then you need to have a certain stamina. Mm -hmm. You need to have a certain mindset. And you, most likely, some, at some point in your life, you will have shown this. Whether you were very active in some sports activities mm. at school or whether you did something in your career already. So I think we looked more and more for people who bring the certain form of dedication and commitment and also the stamina and persistence uh, to us, together then with a certain skill set, obviously, but 
I think the best hires that we did were those where we really found that because then when you are in it for the marathon and you do it and you are at kilometer uh, 42, then obviously also the reward is great and people really stick to the company. And that's the reason why we have many people who are with us for a long time because once you have done a marathon, you really like it. And you yeah. know that at kilometer 20, but still half the way to go. Yeah, yeah. And can you interview with that? Because you say I look at certain uh, qualities or certain things I did in the past. But are there are there ways you use uh, during your interviews, or uh, do you use your intuition, for instance, in order to? Um... Yeah, I think there are two things that I have adapted over the course of, of time. One is that I try to find examples in the CV, and I explicitly ask. So, when uh, have you been in a situation where you really had to go the extra mile, or can you tell me something where you really felt like? Still, I'm still in the race. It's, it feels long, and then I try to figure it out how how much of a challenge it was, how much of persistence was needed. And normally, you enter into a discussion then, and you you can read whether someone actually likes it, you know, to go this extra mile, uh, or whether it's some something that where you feel like people would rather tend to have it the shorter way. And the second thing I do is um, I started that a couple of years ago. I'm very blunt. I'm very direct and say, okay, let's, let's make no mistake about that. It's very hard to work here. It takes a long time to get to successes and you will be asked again and again and again to do stuff yourself because we are a company of 80 people, so we are not a big corporate company. We have many people from corporate environments applying with mm-hmm. us and with those we are brutally honest mm-hmm. because they look over the river on the other side where the grass looks so green you know, and then they come and say, oh, yeah, want to work in a startup and you guys are doing such a great thing and I would like to leave my corporate ABC and come to you and then we are like really pushing them do you really want to accept this do you really want to accept that and I think this is really very good because A you are very authentic when you do that and I, I fear that candidates appreciate if you are and as a founder you can be as authentic as, as it gets <laughs> and sure. uh, the truth is always that every coin has these two sides and there's no job which is just paradise if you make very strong and clear what the opportunity is and, and what's in it in a positive way, but at the same time very clear about the challenge, this filters also people out along the application process. Maybe not directly in the interview, but you have sent this message and some feel tempted by that and some uh, by one right way. Yeah, because that brings me actually to the next point as well, that you don't uh, need pure startup people, because what you yeah. said, your sales cycles are long, you work with the public sector slower, you need to have people that are in there for the long game, because they those quick wins don't exist, um, uh, are, are, are not so so present in the indoor door, actually. Um, is that also, um, yeah, do you have a hiring strategy for that as well, that you maybe target those people in the corporate uh, companies because they have this mindset also, or how do you uh, how do you hire for that? Um, in our in our business model, it's it's very much a constant stretch, right? So we work with players who are in it for decades, and that's also their uh, value proposition, right? When you run a public transport company in a big city, uh, you think in decades, right? So the next plan applies in eight years from now, and you are there to do what you are there for, and for the remaining period of time. So they are not used to agile working. They are not used to changing direction. And here and then they are in it for the long run. At the same time, they now see they have to innovate, they have to implement new uh, services, they are under pressure from the political side. Mm -hmm. So they need to act and they need to act faster than they used to. And our job is with the platform that we offer and the services and consulting is to help them do that, to to have the stretch that they have internally 
covered in a good way so that they can be fast enough to do innovation but not losing their core identity of being a sustainable, reliable player in the market. Most, most of these, they are the D1 player for mobility. Mm -hmm. And for us at the company, the stretch is even bigger because we have to be uh, very great in hiring the best talent. We have to be very much ahead of the market in terms of the products that we offer, the technology that we use. We have to have um, just our own standard that we set, which means you need to be very radical, very flexible, very much questioning yourself. You have to try out many things. And then you have on the other side of the customer funnel, you have those who are very conservative. And this is a constant mm. stretch that we have. And this is, um, let's say, I like it. I love it actually to, you know, dance between these two worlds, but it's also something that you need to like and you need to be able to do that, right? To, you know, when you talk to a corporate, you need to have a certain attitude and a certain professionalism without being so conservative and slow that when you go back, you can push your own company. So you need to, when I'm here in the company, I need to be very pushy. When I'm out with the customer, I need to translate the languages every day. And, and I think this is, a, this is a very fascinating requirement, but indeed, as you ask, we are looking for those from both worlds, mm -hmm. from the startup world who are capable and ready to translate into the corporate world and vice versa for those who have been in the corporate world, but really bring what is necessary to say, okay, I understand what the customer wants, but I can also translate it into, let's say, a product requirement so that the platform uh, gets better in this or that regard. Yeah, I think you do that also in your in your branding, right? Um, you won quite some startup awards of being the best startups, the best hundred mm -hmm. upcoming startups in Berlin, for instance. And um, there you attract those startup talent, uh, but then you also need the serious uh, people in there to yeah. speak to your clients eventually. And I think this is not a it's not a contradiction. I think you know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's rather mm -hmm. particularly when you do enterprise software and when you do it with the public, you need to have this recipe of not only various skills in the company, you need to have these various cultural backgrounds because it's a, it's really a recipe of uh, different ingredients and how you how you cook it uh, is, is very decisive, but it will never be either or. And many, it's not a question of the corporates or problem of the corporates only. It's some, sometimes I believe for the B2B startups who do business with enterprises, they need to be better. They need to understand that they cannot just sit there and wait that this slow corporate becomes agile. It won't work. This mm -hmm. is reality. You have to be adaptable. And we have we have learned that the hard way, right? When we started selling our software, uh, we, we pitched it in a great way. We talked about autonomous driving and flying drones and painted all these pictures of how the future would look like. And then we sit there with the customer and he says, oh, this is all great. You know, my problem is now I have this ticketing machine, you know, and I want to have payless, uh, cashless payments. And uh, can you help with that? Or I want to have Wi-Fi in my bus. You know, this is my current problem. You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I am. There you are. Okay, now I understand. It's great with the drones, but let's start with something else first. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I can also um, that adaptability. You also need that as as founder. So to to go a bit back uh, in, into time still uh, or again, um, where you hire for roles that you might not know really well. Um, so you mentioned your your first engineer. Uh, you and Maxime uh, didn't know anything about uh, tech at that time. Um, but also uh, along the way, you hire for other roles that you actually never done yourself or even uh, worked with yourself. Um, how do you inform yourself on, on hiring for these roles and making sure you can uh, identify the talent? So I think in the beginning, what we really did was we, we looked for the, for the right advisors to 
have them in the process. Mm -hmm. Still, we do it, you know, because um, I have many people I very much respect. Um, so even for roles where I would say uh, this is my own turf, I ask for opinions from people outside the company because they bring a perspective that I don't have. And in the beginning, we did that a lot. So we had trusted people who said, yeah, I, this guy I like, this guy, I don't think is the right choice. So they then also learn how they make mm -hmm. their decisions. Mm -hmm. And then another learning, I think, is that you get better in understanding the role itself that you're hiring for. Because if you don't really know what you need, you cannot benchmark any candidate with it, right? I mean, if you know, I want to hire, I don't know, a chief financial officer who's doing finance, and that's all you need, well, then every candidate looks great. Right? Yeah. So you need to really know what your organization needs today and tomorrow and what problems you have. And then you can benchmark it. With the guy that you see, with the uh, positions he had, with the successes he created, and I think this is a very important learning. The more experience you have, and I think this is also something that the more senior you are in an organization, as a founder, you have the privilege to always have this helicopter perspective. So I think you know how everything adds up. So I think I can still be good in hiring people who are in rather senior roles. When we more go to the expert level, I'm probably not good in the hiring process because I would not really know what we need. I could only test again, you know, what do I see in terms of personality and character. So you also need to be realistic. That's probably the third learning in for which roles you are a good person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, learning by doing, but also knowing where your strengths are. Yeah. I mean, learning by doing is uh, still every day. Every day yeah. It would be very boring if it wouldn't be too. Yeah, I can imagine. And and at what point do you do you bring a recruiter in or build up a recruitment function? I think it's very good to have um, people specialized in identifying talent because it's hard to have an overview. I mean, the world's changing fast, people are moving around, so it's not that you know, ah, in Berlin there are these five thousand backend engineers, uh, so I have my pool, and from that I pick more people come and go, and, and the requirements change. And there is very hard to be on top of the game mm -hmm. for every organization. I think if someone is specialized on having that overview, uh, because it's just a focus, um, this is very helpful. And then obviously from such a pool, not only identifying those and bringing them into the final, but having a good enough empathy for the organization and the requirements to um, pick those who are very likely to be a fit. And I think I can always do that from the inside, mm -hmm. but if someone in between, um, I think this is a capability that's also hard for an internal department to uh, apply in the same way. Yeah, so there you hire a, uh, hire an agency also to help you mean? Uh, in that we, yeah, we did many things. So yeah. we had internal recruiters, we had agencies, we had freelancers. So um, it always depends on the stage you are at, how many, how many positions you want to fill. Well, the variety of positions, right, is very different whether you want to have a sales guy who is a German native speaker and has a background in public transport or you want to have this machine learning engineer, you know, who brings this or that skill. So there is a pros and cons for every setting. Yeah, and you went to many iterations, I think, as well here, right? Having somebody, your leadership team, even focus on people and then yeah. changing it around yeah. um, as well. Absolutely, and still are. I, I think probably we haven't found the perfect... Uh, source yet so we are still working on it 
Yeah. And um, then to go also um, something you mentioned earlier already in our talk um, on retaining talent and making sure they're in there for the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Doors Door and what do you do yourself and maybe with the, with the management team? Uh, what are you doing to keep uh, talent in, in your company? I think we are, we are privileged in a way that we have um, a great vision and mission because we are very much going with the heart of the cities and trying to improve the situation of something that's very relevant to the people and it's not only about traffic jams, also about the emissions, it's also about the, the climate change, it's about uh, social access to mobility, it's about security. So there are many things, many, many values that we have in our uh, environment where people can relate to, which gives them meaning and purpose and that is something that is very relevant obviously for people to ask themselves do I want to stay in an environment or not. Because if you do something rather random and you like your colleagues and you like your paycheck, after a year or two, it might well be that you say, yeah, I've seen it, now let's move on. But if it's really meaningful, uh, I think that, that, that sticks. Secondly, um, as we discussed earlier, I think if you have those on board who are in it for the long run, they are more likely to stay in it for the long run. And if you have the sprinters, Sprinters will ever leave after a year or two, which you do not necessarily know when you hire people. But I think the more you manage to find those who are in for the marathon, the, the better it is. Thirdly, I have learned a lot also about how um, the expectations from uh, from our team um, have have evolved over the time. Um, when when I graduated, that was around two thousand five, uh, some 15 years ago, it was very clear that you have to invest into your own career and you have to work hard and you have to be very diligent and after five, ten years you might be there to ask for some reward or development or anything. So it was very much about discipline and focus. And I see that with the, uh, with the generations since then, there is a different kind of balance in terms of professional life and work life, there's a high interest to develop oneself further. There's a high interest to have the right colleagues next to each other, whether I can learn from them or not. And I think we we provide a lot for that. So um, I would say this is also one of the success criteria. I mean, we have a nice environment. The, the office is nice. We have great uh, food and always what, what is necessary as a, let's say, some hard facts. But I think it's more important that you provide a certain company culture that values are lived by everyone, particularly the founders, very authentically. And that in such an environment, people can really develop in a good work-life balance. And I, and I mean, sometimes we ask a lot from the people, sometimes it's stressful, but at the same time, people need to have their phases where they can um, spend time with other things or focus on, on other things. And I think we have developed that with many, many steps. Um, my ambition is that for every situation in life, we provide a solution so that people can stay. So we had situations where a developer wanted to travel for a year and he did so and he was still a freelance developer, Hochler his name is, and when we did these uh, meetings, he tuned himself in from Thailand, from the beach or so, and you know, presented his work. And he has now decided to move back to Spain, he's still on board with us. We have people obviously who... Um, we have their family, we have kids, so obviously we need to be very flexible in this regard, providing space uh, along the way. We have people that are parents whose parents get older, 
I need assistance, I want to move back home and we provide for that. So it's not really that there's, there's not ma no magic trick, but I think you have to be healthy with the values and the core, and then you have to create some things surrounding that. Yeah, really uh, play on the passion of the people and then do your hiring right and then make sure you, they, they stay um, by being adaptable, like you yeah. said. Yeah. Interesting to hear. Cool. Um, and um, yeah, do you have any advice that you uh, would give to starting founders at this point? Something uh, you wish you would have known uh, back in the days? Oh, yeah. Um, never, never... Um Overestimate yourself, so I mean, rather become humble and fast, and understand that you can gain a lot from others out there. You don't need to know it all. You don't need to be the expert for everything. You don't really need to be an expert for, for anything. Even you know, you need to be the one who's keeping it together, and you need to be ready to create the, the foundation of the company. But the sooner you acknowledge the fact that the more senior experience, the more professional uh, perspective from others you bring on board, the most, the more likely you will be successful, I think the better. So I think my learning is if you can afford it, hire very senior in the beginning, so I'd rather hire one instead of three guys, but make this one higher, right? And this is a mistake that many founders do because you all have limited amounts of money, so you try to spread it. Oh yeah, I need this, and then uh, and then you have five instead of two, which looks great. But you see that the effort you have to make those work in a great and efficient way is most likely more resource-consuming than if you do it right at the very beginning. Um, so I think this is one of the key learnings when we talk about hiring. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good learning. I think that's a nice uh, note to close on as well. Uh, thank you so much, Tom, for having me on the podcast My today. My pleasure. Thank you for your interest. Very insightful. Um, that is it for the episode of A Players. Show notes can be found on blog.accelerate.com. And if you want to learn more about our services, head out to accelerate.com. That is A C E L R 8.com. Uh, we would love to help you in growing your company. Until the next episode.